and welcome to a podcast with Jordan Hass. I'm Ash from Pokemon. Now to read the following tweet. Give this picture for a little S. See that of the thumbs. And one large user over on mine. Hey, wait. Here's the show. Welcome everybody to a podcast with Jordan Haas. I'm I'm Jordan Haas. This is the second episode. We did it. We survived episode two. Everyone thought I was going to get canceled, but no. You have to check my previous tweets on the internet if you want to cancel me. Uh, so hey, well, welcome, welcome to the podcast. Uh, so this is the part of the show where we just ad-lib and welcome you to the show. Uh, essentially, this whole episode, of a lot of the articles I wrote this week somehow were game show related. Uh, I don't know if any are going to make it in the front half, but they're definitely going to be in the back half. So if you do, uh, have a Patreon, patreon.com slash Haas, the $5 tier, you can listen to my thoughts about game shows. There was a lot of game shows this week. Turns out it's like a big mid-season game show thing that everyone wants to uh, wants to watch. They really want to see what's going on in the world of game shows. <laughs> so, like, there's Password, Person, Place, or Thing. I think we do Celebrity Beef this week. Uh, I did review... Uh, a few others, um, but they, uh, we're good. We are good. A-okay. So, uh, <clears throat> I just want to get this right out of the beginning of this episode because everyone wants my opinions on things. Apparently, when I first launched the first episode, there was a glitch where I sounded sped up. <laughs> and I was freaking the hell out because, like, I, I did not want to sound like Ben Shapiro. Uh, but that's what uh, happens when you gotta sound like this and you were like, what am I gonna It was just really freaking out. So apologies if you heard the first episode and the first thing you heard was me sounding like Foamy the Squirrel from the Newgrounds era. So uh, the other thing I wanted to talk about was that, uh, that this week was full of all sorts of surprises. Um, essentially, people have been giving me thumbs up about the podcast please spread the word on this podcast because this is the only thing i have going for me to repeat i'm no longer on twitch and i recently just ended uh my podcast fun time calls um i'll probably talk about more at the end of this show uh, because i think that's more of like a good emotional farewell um but it was a lot of fun working with my friends jack and ian for almost five years having fun with that podcast, but now we have this one to goof around and eat candy. That's what we do here on a podcast with Jordan Haas. Uh, so <clears throat> another thing I wanted to talk about is uh, essentially uh, 
Uh, better call Saul. This last episode's tonight. Uh, I did not know that. Boy, I wish I did, so I could come up with a good article and good talking point about Better Call Saul. But this is a show where I like to be honest and I like to be truthful to the audience. Uh, I like Better Call Saul. I think Better Call Saul is a really good spiritual successor to Breaking Bad. I think Bob Odenkirk is one of the better actors of modern day. And I think if it wasn't for Bob Odenkirk doing the Saul Goodman role, I would not have accepted things like Barry in my life, where a comedian can play a serious, dramatic, villainous character <laughs> in a way that's really, uh, really a, a wonderful character study. And I think that's what I like about the Breaking Bad's Better Call Saul universe of characters is these are all characters and they have gradual study. And I... And I know we are. We're, there's going to be probably thousands of retrospectives of Saul Goodman and Cinnabon and how did it end. I did not see a single episode of this current season of Better Call Saul. I was a little busy uh, the last few months. So unfortunately, I have been missing out of Better Call Saul. I don't know what happened to Gus. I don't know if, if Pink, Pink is going, yo, bitch. But what I do uh, know is that people are excited about this finale. And if you want to spoil it, that's okay. I'm, I'm fine with that, too. Uh, but before we, I, I actually like get into the show, I just wanted to quickly uh, talk about like Better Call Saul is one of the better shows to have existed, uh, mostly because of this character study. I think a lot of time when we look at television shows in general... We kind of want the characters to be the same. We want the characters to never change, never adapt, and just be uh, who we think they are. So we can do our head canons, we can do our fan fictions. And I mean, like, that's even in the case of things like It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, right? Like, it's the characters never change. They're always going to be weird shitheads who, who fuck up just for the quest for money and power. Uh, for something like Better Call Saul, it's really a study of why people do the things they do and then the anxieties that come with it, just like it was in Breaking Bad, but through Saul Goodman's character. Um, in this case, it's about family. Uh, so it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be fun. I'm gonna definitely watch this season to see if anything of what I said just is fucked up or not, and I'm wrong. Uh, because I really love to be somewhat challenged on some of these thoughts. Um, but I do wish more shows did have like a character arc. I, I don't think Game of Thrones really is that. I don't think there was really much of a character arc in Game of Thrones. I think the reason people liked it was uh, the, the it looked it looked like a big budget action adventure show. Because if you really think about it, Game of Thrones is mostly just like a CW show. It's like exposition, dialogue, and then an action scene. Here's a giant fucking dragon, or here's a big fight sequence with swords. It's, so it's, it, it's, it doesn't do that on, on some of these other shows. There's no real pattern to the way it handles. And I think that's kind of why I kind of like a little bit of shows that kind of sometimes go off the beaten path of what we expect the show to do. Fortunately, this isn't one of those shows. We have a strict format. This is just the ad-lib portion of the show. 
because most of the time it's scripted stuff and scripted stuff is about three to five to ten minutes uh, and I only have so many to write about in a day so the other thing uh, I want to talk about here in the front half of the show is that uh, you know this Tom Sharpling guy is this best show guy the best show he has a podcast sorry a radio show called the best show it's called the best show because because the Tom Sharpling it's the best show and it, he had a 24-hour uh, show recently the best show you know the best show I'm just gonna keep saying the best show because I'm sure Tom would really like it for me to keep plugging the best show uh so he recently uh Tom Sharplin I like saying recently and all this stuff he did an interview with Pop Matters, uh, the, the bloggers, the blogs, uh, to promote his memoir, It Never Ends, uh, which is available, in, I think, now we can pick it up. Once again, it's called It Never Ends. Um, but this little conversation interview thing he did uh, was one of the, my favorite things to read this week, uh, and that's why I want to talk about it right now. I don't really want to go into everything they said and just repeat everything because I figure it, you guys can read it. Why am I reading this for you? Uh, but it is detailing a lot of times the frustrations uh, creative people have and uh, the amount of uh, weight it goes into making anything, including a podcast. Uh, so... It's, it's the mix of comedy and writing and doing all sorts of uh, things that you don't really think about. And Tom Sharpling nailed it. And obviously, there's a joke in that show about podcasting. And he started, like, he has a radio show and podcast. Everyone has a voice. And honestly, doing a podcast like this is kind of similar to the alternate of Best Show. It's the everyone who has a microphone gets to talk kind of situation. Uh, however, I, I do, however, really, really like this article because it does illustrate a lot of the things that I have experienced, uh, doing podcasting for the last like nine years, uh, which is all the emotional turmoil that comes with it. You do all this work and you don't know if it's worth it. Now, luckily Tom has had over two decades of work. He's had a radio show at WFMU, uh, for someone like me. I've tried to do all sorts of things on the side. I've done Twitch streams, YouTube videos, etc. And for me, I just feel like I guess where I'm pinpointed right now in life is these podcasts. And I think a podcast that just a lot of micro mini podcasts should suffice for me because it feels like I can try everything before I buy. And also if there's things people like, I can do more of it. That's why I need your help to signal boost and tell me what you like, what you didn't like on my Discord. That's kind of why I have to do those calls to action. But uh, for, for somebody like me, uh, it was a great read. And it's something to do with like a lot of Hollywood and a lot of podcast networks and a lot of uh, how people approach podcasting these days is just in their content medium. And uh, I'm not on a podcast. Now, Tom does have a show on Forever Dog uh, called Double Threat. It's a really good podcast. I do also suggest people check that out. Um, but 
for a guy like me, where this is all I have left, and this is just like an this is just like another one of those vloggy YouTubers that you see that you can that's the dime a dozen on the podcast world. I mean, I could have come up with like a bunch of worse names than a podcast with Jordan Haas. I figured it was the most literal title I could think of. Uh, we could have called it like the Laugh Out Loud Show. Uh, it's random. It's stupid time. Like all those kind of forever like shitty ones that you like you like when your high school self or middle school self wants to come up with a show. And that's what it's called. That's what you get on most podcast networks. But here, you have a show that's literally called a podcast with Jordan Haas, and this is the podcast. This is all I do. That's it. What a great world we live in. <clears throat> so, uh, I don't know what this podcast format really is going to be about. I, I still am confused from time to time how this is going to work. But all I know is I want to give a little bit in the free version and then everything else at the end. That's the only thing, because I figure if you only get like 20 minutes of me, that's good. I would rather keep it like 20 to 25 minutes on the free version, because I figure, my assumption, a lot of podcasts go like for two, three hours and you're just not going to listen to it all. But if it's in that nice 15, 20, 30 minute space in the free version, maybe you're going to listen and then you're just going to move on with life. Like it's just a half hour game show. And then for an extended version, I want it to be about an hour because you get a little bit, then you get a little bit extra. You want to have like the full course meal of podcast. What the fuck am I even saying? <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's like a full hour because that's usually how podcasts run. Typically, it's about an hour. That's the only gimmick. So if you want 40 more minutes of this bullshit, that's maybe a little bit more scripted than what I'm saying right now, patreon.com slash I feel like I'm plugging this way too much. It sounds very desperate. So let me just, just before I conclude uh, this ad-lib version, let's do something a little different here. Check out the article about Tom Sharpling's interview. I really enjoyed it. The last thing is uh, I want to probably in the next couple of weeks talk about Kirby more. Um, this week, Kirby's uh, Dream Buffet comes out uh, over on, I believe it's on the 18th. So I'm going to download it, play it, uh, and see how it goes write an article. Because I, I, I know a lot of people love Kirby. I love Kirby. And I want to talk about the, the excitement and why I love Kirby games. I don't think I've ever in my history talked about Kirby in length. The best I did was during Jack's Twitch streams. Because he played a lot of Kirby games and went through the history of Kirby. Um, but for me, I think like I need to probably eventually write that out just out of respect to my decades as a qualified gaming journalist even though i've never worked on any prestigious outlets like kotaku or destructoid um it's it's been one of those cases of kirby games have been meant so much to me and i want to talk about them more so i'm going to try my best that next week or the week after write about kirby because that's what people want to hear. They want to hear Jordan talk about Kirby. Or at least that's what I think. I mean, it's one of those things like Jordan with Nightwing and Jordan with Burgers. It's like, you follow me on social media, you see all sorts of shit, and you wonder why that is. And I want this podcast to help fill you in and a lot more utter bizarre things that I enjoy. 
Why? I don't know. Why are you asking me? Uh, so, back to Kirby. Uh, this week, there was a 30th anniversary concert. Now, um, I don't really get much sleep at night. Uh, I have been uh, in real life taking care of my mom, and things have been a little squirrely back and forth. Uh, so it's kind of like raising a kid, you know, sometimes she wakes up in the middle of the night and you want to like get her some water and make sure she's okay, not in pain. Uh, and it was about like 2 a.m. Pacific time. And I just said, fuck it. I'm going to watch the Kirby concert. I'm awake. Let's do this. And I had a lot of fun. Now, video game concerts... They exist. I mean, like, you can't say they don't exist. They exist. I know that's not really much content to say. But it was something really amazing. When The last video game concert I went to was Video Games Live, the very first one at the Hollywood Bowl. Hey, Tommy Tallarico, how was the Amico? Um, so it was one of the best experiences of my life because, hey, video game music with a symphony. This is really kind of cool. An orchestra playing video game music. You don't get that every day. Um, and then it grew. Um, there is places like MAGFest where there's a lot of YouTubers and musicians. Uh, one of friends of my Rhythm Bastard makes a lot of nerdcore uh, rap music and rock music. Very metal, I would say. Uh, and there's all sorts of like bands that make music based on game like Kirby stream band for instance uh and those have popped up every once in a while people like to hear people talk about video games and people like covers of video game music it's a ton of fun um it's only not fun when you see who they follow on twitter that's all uh so it's it's one of those cases of video game music has been an enjoyable run. Now, I remember when, like, the only time you can listen to music through the internet was, like, MIDI places like VGMusic.com or places like, uh, video, what was it, video game, like, radio, VG Radio, where it was just, like, a real player just streaming video game music by request. And you would hear Final Fantasy music almost all the time. Uh, or like uh, music from like uh, Metroid. Because those were all you can hear. And you don't get to hear what you want. You had to like listen to the stream. Those are like the existence of video games. And then of course you can go to all the piracy sites where you can listen to music legally. We're of course not going to be talking about that tonight because I'm not going to get in trouble. But you can just go to YouTube and just search like, I don't know, like, uh, uh, what, like Undertale? You could, it, like, there's not a place where you can listen to the soundtrack to Undertale. Thanks, Toby Fox. Um, so video game music has meant a lot. It's, I mean, I'm not really a musician. But video game music has been one of my favorite things since a kid. Uh, and the Kirby uh, concert, because that's what we're talking about, uh, was just good compilations of Kirby music played with the Japanese orchestra. And there was like a holographic Kirby and people waving arms. And this was like a concert in a 
post, I hate to say post pandemic because we're still technically in it, but in the in the pandemic world where there are people celebrating Kirby and it's excited. And I, I was really happy. I didn't watch the 25th anniversary run beforehand, but this one was just uh, another classic kind of Kirby game. Because no matter how many times you play Kirby games, something about just that do 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 from Green Greens, it means a lot to me. That is like one of those childhood songs like a lot of people have that one song that just like that is part of your nostalgia as a child and for me kirby music has kind of been that way so so it did kind of make me feel real happy inside and also a little bit of, of a kid again which i also enjoyed um so luckily i think they kept the kirby concert up on youtube and it currently has over a million views and i don't know if it's just because of memes because of everyone looking at an oversized kirby on a screen and like looking like they're obeying the almighty kirby but it's it's something really uh amazing like a really good cover of of meta knight's theme uh they even played the kirby's adventure part that do 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 Just great, great songs. So, uh, anyway, uh, that is kind of some of the stuff that has been interesting me all week. Uh, and I hope that you enjoy this episode uh, and whatever bullshit I put in it. <laughs> So, a constant debate I see online, and yes, even within my own friend circle, is a simple question. Are Ticket Redemption games arcade games? Of course, when we think of arcade games, there is Qbert, Daytona USA, Time Crisis, and Dance Dance Revolution. But what about those games of skill like Whack-A-Mole and Skee-Ball? What about new games like Connect for Basketball or Deal or No Deal? Personally, I am okay with them as long as there is a level of skill attached, such as those games based on beer pong or Slam a Winner where you drop a ball it lands wherever it goes on the wheel, or Ball Drop where you drop 50 balls into cups. Those games I really enjoy because there's a still an element of chance. They are more amusement, if anything, such as going to a carnival and knocking over a doll to win a prize. But games where it's clearly a payout, like many crane machines and stacker, I will play them once in a while, but aren't really fun when you know your chance of winning was done before you even entered any tokens or points if you're going to Dave and Buster's. Of course, I love arcade games, and I hope in this podcast series I can give some time talking about some of my favorites, such as Top Skater and Crazy Taxi, but also moderns like H2 Overdrive, and yes, ticket redemption favorites like Plinko. So why am I giving it a gray area? Well, arcades are a big chunk of many novelty and play areas. 
They are in many golf courses, amusement parks, Dave and Buster's, and more. You can't think of Chuck E. Cheese without that prize counter where you can win lollipops, spider rings, and maybe with enough points, a small plush of Mr. Munch. When you see a crane machine YouTuber, I know it's easy to go, wow, they are lucky. But many claw machines don't pay out one-to-one. It's not skill, it's luck. They are, however, great at pinpoint accuracy of a claw when it pays out, even if they already put 20 bucks into a machine. Arcade games are, by nature, skill-based, button timing and rhythm to land a combo in Street Fighter 2 or turning a wheel at the right time in Mario Kart. While many are quick to judge the casino atmosphere of modern arcades, that's exactly what was said about pinball machines during the Great Depression and, well, yes, Colorama is just roulette and the Cyclone Right Reaction game is nearly impossible to win until a payoff, it has become mainstays of arcades for decades at this point. I think if you're having fun with a game like Ski Jump or Wheelaman, what difference does it make? Arcades are baby casinos, but in many ways have always somewhat have been. Think about how a game like Metal Slug or Smash TV would kill you off moments before a boss battle, and you have to hurry and enter credits to continue, just to beat the game. Arcade games have always been a prop to get you to fork over money. That's just how a business and how arcades survive. It's also why consoles and PC gaming have become so lucrative in the 80s and 90s, and today that many arcades have fizzled, there's now this weird hybrid arcade surviving with large wheels, basketball, and yes, even a Batman racing game. So, why did I write this segment? Simply put, because I want to talk about arcade games. But I know audiences might sneer if I spend a segment talking about something like Fishbowl or Fruit Ninja. But when you see praise for arcade simulator video games, like the Coin Game on Steam or Tower Unite having its own little baby arcade, now we are getting meta in the metaverse, and now those distractions can be made in the comfort of our homes. So yes, Ticket Redemption is arcade games, and yes, you can win a console, or most likely a pair of headphones from Five Below, but there is that level of nostalgia within them, and hopefully, sometime soon, we can talk about them more. Just, you know, probably not today, uh, mostly because we have a lot to get to for this episode, but um, we'll think about it later. So that's that is kind of the end of this segment. Oh wow, we finished it. All right. Well, I can kind of ad lib a little bit here. Um, so so what I'm really thinking is like sometimes talk about arcade games, take a redemption games, all sorts of situation games because I think. Uh, my one of my favorite games is that of the arcade variety. You know, um. When we look into arcade games, it's simplistic, but, you know, easy to understand, difficult to master, but also has that level of nostalgia. 
I know for kids of the 80s and 90s, oh, I remember playing Pac-Man at the arcade. Or with the 90s, I went to a Chuck E. Cheese and I got to play Cruise in USA. Uh, down to the 2000s where it's like, oh yeah, I remember uh, playing uh, the Luigi's Mansion light gun game or going into playing a Let's Go Jungle on, from Sega. There's all these little arcade games that people have fondness over. And I really want to keep talking about them. And I figure, hey, I have this podcast now about video games and anything that's on my mind. Let's talk about arcade games. So that's partially why I, I wanted to talk about this on a podcast. Now, obviously, I'm ad-libbing right now. None of this has been written down. Because essentially, I it, it comes from the heart. And sometimes it's not something you can just easily write down on paper why that is i feel there's multi-generational i think arcades have been fond over for decades it's almost been 50 years since the arcade has been made and that's half a century and i want to see more about that so let's talk pinball let's talk about japanese mega arcades let's talk about like when ddr came out or one of my favorites is when you go to a pier, now I live in Los Angeles, so the Santa Monica Pier, the Noise Lane Arcade is one of my faves. Uh, people really love going to uh, Santa Cruz for that uh, little arcade. Uh, San Francisco has all sorts of very fantastic arcade classics and, and like history museums. And then if you're going into the East Coast, you know, Jersey Shore has an arcade. Uh, Coney Island has an arcade. There's lots of fun little mini arcades, and I bet wherever you are, if there's a little beach area, there's a fun, cool arcade just nearby. May not have all the latest, greatest. May just be next to a Hooters somewhere. Might be next to a Dave and Buster's that looks a little rickety. Maybe next to a Round One. Who knows? Um, but wherever it is, I, I want to know more about your arcades because that that to me is something I want to really talk about more here. I don't know if I'm going to do research or just do like little reviews that I'm still working on. But absolutely, I want to talk more about these arcade games. So that's it. Um, I just realized this is the first part of the podcast and it's mostly been ad lib. Um, Crazy Tax is a really good game. Five out of five. There. Secret review. Uh, see, see you soon. This concludes the free version of a podcast with Jordan Haas. To listen to the full version with more segments and past episodes, please visit patreon.com slash Jordan Haas.